Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss all things life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. Our partner's spinal cord injuries are what brought us together, and our common bond as caregivers to quadriplegics is what helped us to create the advocacy group, WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges this lifestyle presents, and our mission is to spread awareness and positivity from our unique perspective. So join us each week as we discuss fresh topics and new ideas surrounding relationships, self-care, and living your best life as a caregiver and partner to someone with a serious injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wife of SEI podcast. Here we go. The episode you're about to enjoy is brought to you by Anchor Medical Supplies. This company is very special to us as it is owned and operated by a quadriplegic. His name is Paul and his WAG of SCI, Jessica. They have been married for 22 years and they strive to provide the best service in the industry for catheters and ostomy products. Anchor Medical Supplies is based in Georgia, but work with nationwide Medicare, Medicaid, and many private insurance companies, including Blue Cross and TRICARE. They work with your doctor's office to get prescriptions organized and they bill insurance directly. They ship discreetly to your door without any hassles. They are passionate about advocating for those with disabilities, and most of their staff are individuals that have been affected by paralysis themselves. Their personalized services include monthly check-ins, expert advice, and customized products. This makes them a company you can really rely on and trust. They know the SCI life, and they understand how important peer support can be. If you aren't sure you want to change providers, subscribe to their monthly newsletter. Jessica curates the latest SEI news, new products, and advice so you can stay informed and connected. Just go to their website, anchormedsupplies.com, and fill out the easy form. Give Jessica and Paul a call today at 1-833-667-8669, or you can visit their website at anchormedsupplies.com and tell them the way the SEI sent you. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. Um, it is Brooke Paget and Elena Polly. Today we have um, a very special guest. Her name is Ashley Eigen, and she happens to be the Philadelphia Wags of SCI ambassador. She's a student working towards her BFN, working as a student nurse on med surge and oncology unit, recently turned into the COVID unit. So we're really, really excited to have you on with all the background information of basically what's going on through the pandemic. You are wife now, actually, of somebody who has an SCI. So you've got a lot to tell us. So she's got a prior background with uh, a bachelor's degree in marketing and PR, and she strives to help those who need a voice and somebody to advocate for them. And you certainly do that, especially being a wag of SCI. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, everyone. I'm sure all of you listening right now know who Ashley is. Um, she's very active on all of the WAGs of SCI platforms. Um, although, you know, you've been a little bit quiet lately, but that's understandable because of what's going on, right? Well, we're really glad you could be on Ashley. Those out there that don't know, where are you from? So currently, um, me and my husband, Kyle, we live in Music, Pennsylvania. It's near Scranton, if you're familiar with the yeah. office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Sure are. That's, 
generally how we describe the area. Because <laughs> most people have seen the office. That's so um, cool. So or- originally, I'm from Bloomsburg, so it's about an hour away from here. Um, and Kyle is from Old Forge, Pennsylvania, which a lot of people know for they're considered the pizza capital of the world. Oh yeah. Nice. Sounds like a fun place. (laughs) And so, so can you explain to us just a bit of your and Kyle's story? Um, Like how, how did you guys meet? Where did you meet kind of all that jazz? Yeah, sure. So um, I was attending Bloomsburg University and Kyle was going to King's College. Um, And at the time, my roommate at Bloomsburg was from the area that Kyle's from and she had introduced us and we had talked, you know, via social media, texting, all that. Um, we kind of lost touch for about a year or so. And then I reconnected with him. It was actually his birthday and I wished him happy birthday. And we kind of just went from there. He had been asking me out and I was kind of, as he says, playing hard to get. <laughs> um, so we finally ended up going for our first date, which of course was pizza. And we just kind of went from there. And now here we are almost seven years later. Wow. Seven years later, hey? Yeah. And so if, if you would have told me I would be here seven years ago, I would have been like, yeah, right. You know, but here we are. <laughs> this past November, we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, we had got engaged the year before at my favorite winery, which is an interesting story because I had actually had been sick that day. And my sister had stayed over and they were like, so they were pushing going to this winery. And, you know, I was kind of like, I don't want to go. Like, I'm not feeling well. But (laughs) Kyle had invited all of our friends there. (laughs) And I was just being, you know, hard to please that day. And I was like, I'm not even going to get dressed up. Like, we'll just go, you know, blah, blah, blah. My sister's like, no, just, you know, at least wash your hair. (laughs) We ended up going to this winery and like all of our friends were there. I still hadn't thought anything of it. And um, the like the clouds were rolling in. It was going to rain. My sister kept pushing to get a picture outside. And I was like, no, I don't really feel like it. You know, all this other stuff. So then finally, when they got me outside, Kyle was able to propose. But he told me at that point, he's like, you were killing me that day. He's <laughs> like, any other time you want pictures taken, you want this, you want that. But that day you were just like, nope, not having it. So a lot of us saw the video, the proposal, and I think we posted yeah. it on the WAGS page because it was adorable. Yep. Who was filming that video? My sister-in-law. Well, uh-huh. she's now my sister-in-law. Um, so Kyle's brother actually got married a month after us. So me and his wife are super close. So she was there that day. Aww. And um, she filmed that for us. There was a couple of them filming it, but her and my sister were like front and center, you know filming everything and I I hadn't realized what was going on and you know everyone at the winery was pressed up against the glass and I'm so oblivious I'm like I don't understand like what's happening you know Aww. but it was it was a perfect day that's the best I feel like any plans that anybody ever makes it's like when you don't have plans like where where it's like unplanned and then you have this like yeah. amazing surprise and then it just takes you where yeah. it takes you those are like the best memories the best nights yeah. and then when oh, you yeah. When you end up being a fiance at the end of the night, like, <laughs> hello. That's yeah, awesome. It was yeah. just like unreal. I couldn't believe it had happened because, you know, Kyle goes to a lot of events for his job. 
And the weekend before that, we were at an event, you know, we were like dressed all up, you know, I had my hair and makeup done. And I was like, Oh, this place is beautiful. Like, wouldn't it be perfect for you to propose to me here? (laughs) And he was like, I was ready to kill you because I was like planning to propose to you the next weekend. And he's like, you're making a big deal, you know, but it worked out. (laughs) There's something to be said about secrets that actually get kept. Like, I I love that. Like, I feel like it's it ruins everything when you find out, right? Or if you know beforehand. It's so yeah, it's kind of rare to have an actual surprise, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah. If we can just kind of skip back a little bit about Kyle, we want to know a little bit (laughs) a little bit more about him. Um, I wanted to know so you guys have been together for seven years, you were engaged a year ago. You guys just had your wedding in November and it was amazing. And you guys were doing so much wedding planning and we were so excited to hear about that. Um, I just kind of wanted to know from the basics. So how did Kyle have his accident and what level is he? So he's C5 incomplete. So when he was um, younger, he was like a huge athlete. He loved to play sports. You know, it was everything to him. Um, so when he was 14 years old, he was playing football, you know, he was a football player. Um, it was the first play of the first game. Um, he was playing the right cornerback. Um, he'll be proud of me that I remembered that. I don't know anything about football. (laughs) Um, yeah. So essentially the other kid was breaking the second tackle and Kyle came in for the hit. And then Kyle's other teammate was holding on to this other player and essentially, Kyle took, like, the hit or the brunt from the momentum from that. Mm-hmm. So, they hit face mask to face mask. Well, you know, they both fell to the ground. Um, the only difference is is that Kyle didn't get up. You know, the other kid got up. They were trying oh. to get Kyle to, like, you know, saying, get up. Like, you know, what are you doing? Um, he said for him, it felt like his legs were asleep. Like, he knew something was wrong, but he never, like, would have guessed that, you know, he just broke his neck. Um, he was so young, so, like, he'll even say, like, he was naive to the, to, like, the extent of the injury, you know what I mean? Like, mm. he didn't understand how intense it was. Um, he thought, it's funny because they were, like, bringing him onto the stretcher, and he said he could still remember telling his coach, like, I'm so sorry, like, I'm so sorry that I did this, like, I can't believe this is happening, you know, like, he was more upset that the game had stopped for him, and he wanted them to keep playing, um and he thought that he was going to like just walk away from this you know that's like shock right yeah yeah and he thought like he would just walk away like go to the hospital be fine you know so he was lifelighted to thomas jefferson um and there he had his c4 five and six fused back together and when they told him he had broken his neck he still didn't understand he thought like oh they'll give me a neck brace and like i'll be fine you know, like he's a 14 year old kid and like, not that they weren't explaining things to him, but him being so young, I don't think he understood, you know, what was happening. So, um, Mm -hmm. for him, he said that he didn't understand, um, like what was happening. So he spent 13 days in intensive care. And he said the moment that it hit him, like the seriousness of his injury was when they had like his close friends and family come to the hospital to teach them how to like use the wheelchair yeah. and like make sure he was okay. And he's like, that's when it hit me that like, I'm not going to walk, you know? So mm. he ended up going to allied services, which is um, local class. They wanted him to stay in Philadelphia. 
um, but Olive Services is in Scranton. So he went there for 47 days as inpatient therapy and then continued there for two years with outpatient. And it's like ironic because he still does so much stuff with Allied. You know, like he's having um, a golf tournament in the fall coming up and uh, the proceeds will actually go to them. You know, like just the impact that they've made on Kyle, like it's just like overwhelming, but like in a good way. You know what I mean? So for him, like he said, it was just weird to be like such an active kid, you know, and to be able to to be told like you're never going to walk again you know like you won't be able to do this you won't be able to do that and it was just hard and you know like he was afraid he wouldn't graduate on time and he actually ended up graduating on time um he was able to walk at both his senior night and his high school graduation with braces amazing Um, yeah so that's pretty pretty cool cool. even like a lot of our guys no matter how hard they work that's just not obviously going to be a reality is like walking with braces but how was that made possible for him so he did his um, outpatient therapy with Allied, but then, so for him, like sports was still everything to him, you know, like people find out how he got injured and they're like, oh, this is why I would never let my kid play football, you know, but I mean, as you guys know, this could literally happen anyway, yeah. you know what I mean? Like just doing everyday life things, you know, like driving in a car, or, you know, diving in a pool, like mm-hmm. you don't know what, what could be the outcome, you know? So for him, like even his mom will tell people when they say that, like, that's ridiculous. You know, like you have to live your life. Um, so he would still go and lift with the football team. Um, he, the coach would help him at first. And then one day they were kind of like, all right, you're on your own. You know, like he said that he feels like not that he, he was like thrown into it by himself because he certainly wasn't. He had such an amazing support system, but people really like pushed him. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's and good to have that. It's Yeah. So it, like, like changes him, like, everything. Right. And like his entire town, like rallied against him. Like they built ramps for him. They had fundraisers for him, you know? So like for him to still be able to go and be like included in like the football team's practice and stuff, you know, like that was everything for him. So he lifted a lot with them. And then when basketball season came, he would always um, go with his therapist and meet him there and they would just walk the court. So the other guys would be playing and Kyle would be practicing, you know, with the walker and braces and just practicing back and forth, back and forth, you know, and he said that that really just helped him. And then one day his basketball coach actually went to his mom and was like, we want Kyle to walk at senior night. Is that okay? And she's like, well, like you have to ask him, you know, that's up to him. And Essentially, it sounds like he didn't really ask Kyle. He kind of told him he was going to do it. <laughs> Aww, but that's really he did. Cute. Good you for know? him. That's amazing. That's really inspiring, too, because, you know, some people would think, oh, he's so young. Why did this have to happen to him? That's so young. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, clearly he had that innocence and that resilience in him to be able to, like, oh, sure. change his mindset and, like, move forward, which is so important. When you're older, you have so many habits and so many things yeah. that you have to unlearn and you have mm-hmm. such a routine. Whereas when you're a, a young kid, I just feel like you're so resilient and you, you have that childlike innocence still right Mm -hmm. yeah which is like funny you say that because I had a patient at one point um they had just retired and they were carrying something down to their basement and they fell and they broke their neck and I think they're like I want to say like c4 or something yeah and Kyle had actually like linked up with this person you know a lot of them that go to allied like 
his old therapist and stuff will call Kyle in because some of them are younger, some are older, you know, but essentially they just want to show them, you know, like this is such a tough thing to go through, but your life's not over. I didn't know Kyle when he got injured, you know, so I don't have experience with that, but I can't imagine. And I mean, you girls both know how it, how it feels, you know, I can't imagine living your life and then just one, one day, like it totally changing. Well, it's just you know, different, so, right? It's it's different. It's like mm-hmm. you know, we're we're we all have that commonality together as our partners have a spinal cord injury, but then like there's so many variables about like how it happened, when it happened, who's dealing right. with what, and how and right. why, and <laughs> it's so crazy, like yeah. the variables yeah. within the community. You know, um, I'm yeah. actually glad that you brought your your nursing up because um, you had mentioned your initial degree was in marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you always know you wanted to be a nurse or did you get into that field because of Kyle? No. So honestly, I had nothing to do with Kyle. So my dad has been, like I said, a paramedic. He works yeah. for Lifelight. So he has been, you know, in the face of trauma, God, as long as I can remember, you know, like I can remember him missing holidays and all this other stuff. And like, I don't know what it was about his career, but it just like inspired me, you know, like you could tell when he would have a tough day because he would come home and like, he just really wouldn't say much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like you would have other days where he's like, this is what I did. Like, and I just respected him for that. You know, he was never afraid. He never hesitated to do anything. So yeah. for me, like that's what pushed me. So originally in high school, I wanted to be a NICU nurse. Um, so I had gone to college with the intent of doing that. I had met with my advisor and he was like, no, you don't want to do that. He's like, you'll never find a job in that. And like, you know, you're 17, 18 years old when you come out of high school and you're like, you're supposed to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life. So I think that's hard, you know, and like here, this man is telling me that I feel is like, well, educated, he has good experience, background telling me like, no, that's not what you want. So I'm like, okay, like, well, what do I want? You know, so he kind of persuaded me. He was like the head of the marketing department. And he persuaded me to that. And like, I love that area. Like, you know, that work, that field of work. But like, for me, it just wasn't satisfying, I guess you could say. And I think it has a lot to do with the area that I'm in. Like, we're close to Philadelphia, you know, like New York, all those bigger cities. But for me, like, this is like small town. Like, yeah, you're not finding a job in marketing or PR, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, for us, like, we didn't want to move. You know, so Kyle actually said to me, he knew that I wanted to be a nurse. And he's like, well, why don't you go back to school? And I'm like, yeah, right. I'm going to go back to school, <laughs> you know, but I did. And um, it, it took me a while because I was still working full time. You know, like I love the experience that I had, you know, like they let me kind of go off on my own and do what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm still like working with these people. And I feel like this has been the best experience for me because I feel like not that nurses that come out of graduation that have no prior hospital or medical experience don't know what they're doing, but you can see a difference. Well, yeah. And also they're used to, you you guys are more used to dealing with people and patients and having all these weird things happen. And, you know, you're kind of like eased into it versus like Mm -hmm. thrown into it. I don't know how the nurses handle it that got thrown into COVID. I don't know. (laughs) Oh gosh. I have a one friend, she works on like an intensive care unit just graduated. And like, honestly, I said, this is going to make her such a phenomenal nurse just because, you know, she had the passion there. She's, she's petrified, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, who wouldn't be, but 
I just think it's going to make her stronger in the end. Yeah, that's a good attitude to have. For though, sure. Because it is. For right? sure. And it's I feel- made you stronger, <laughs> right? Ugh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, we haven't been through a pandemic that. before. No. And you know what? I said to Kyle the other day, I was like, who would have ever thought that this would be like something we would experience? You know, like, I feel like it's 2020 and you expect things to be like, we have a plan for everything, you know, yeah. like, but you don't. <laughs> nope. You, you There's don't. nothing in life that's for certain. So getting into, okay, so I, I'm like really dying to know, basically, I know that you hadn't seen Kyle for quite a while when the pandemic began. Can you yeah. tell us exactly what happened for you guys? I mean, you know, it, it feels like everything happened very quickly. And we yeah. all kind of went into lockdown. But you especially being in the United States, it's it's a bit different than here in Canada and maybe yeah. other parts of the world. But can you please tell us what you were basically going through having to, you know, still show up to work, uh, being on the front, front lines, uh, being a nurse, and then also having your partner who is obviously high risk. So yeah. what happened for you guys? What are you guys going through? So when this first started for us, like, so coronavirus is not like a new thing, but it's just a new strand, like, yeah, like the flu, you know what I mean? So originally, like when they had said like, oh, coronavirus, this coronavirus, that I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, like, it's not yeah. a big deal. Like, you know, my dad works, he's a paramedic for Life Flight, So I feel like I was asking him for like guidance. And he was like, oh, it's fine. It's not a big deal. You know, so I was like, okay, you know. Well, I feel like everybody at the beginning was like, oh, it's not a big deal, right? There was a lot of us that were just, because yeah. it happened oh, so yeah. fast. We're like, oh, it's just a yeah. flu, you know? Right. Well, and that's the thing, like, as it started to progress, like, you know, they're learning more about it. And like, honestly, like it changes every day. Like they tell us one thing and then the next day it's totally different. So for me, my first encounter with it was we had a patient and in the morning, like they were like middle-aged, like 50s, 60s, you know? They were completely independent, walking around, talking, you know, eating. They were fine. By noon, they had totally changed. They oh were 100, 103, 104 fever, you know, um, totally like dependent on us to turn three, four people to turn this patient. You know, um, they had a family member come in and, you know, they had been upset with us that we hadn't really been like, I guess, doing more patient care on this person. But at this point, like that wasn't our priority, you know, like bathing the patient was not our priority because they were independent by the morning, you know? Yeah. So for us, it was kind of like a whirlwind, you know, the patient had a high fever at this point, he was, they were 104. And we just realized like something was wrong, you know, and like, a couple of us were like, you know, this person needs to be tested for COVID. And they were like, Oh, no, like, that's not in this area type of thing. You know, Oh, this and, wasn't wow. this wasn't an up already diagnosed COVID patient. I didn't know that. I thought no. this was your first no. diagnosed COVID patient. Oh, my God. No, no, no. So I we had been in wow. the room all day, you know, this person had been with us at least for 48 hours at this point. Um, they had no isolation. At this point, we weren't wearing masks at all. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a big thing. Um, to get our masks, like at this point, they kind of started like keeping them not like locked down, but like you needed a specific reason as to why you needed that mask, you know, because they were already preparing for them to be limited. So to me, like still, I was just like, I guess not ignorant to the fact, but I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, it's still not a big deal. Well, because as a nurse, you're probably used to just not wearing a mask, right? Well, that's the thing. Like if the patient's on isolation precautions, you know, like the flu or, you know, rhinovirus, the cold, like 
you're wearing a mask, yeah. you know, but otherwise mm-hmm. like you take it off when you come out of that patient's room. Yeah. Um, so this patient, this, um, nurse on her floor had kept pushing. She's like, they need to be tested. They need to be moved. You know, at this point, some of our unit is just used for, um, like observation. So if they mm-hmm. come, you know, it's just 24, 48 hour stay. So at this point, this patient no longer was able to stay on our unit. So we had moved this patient, our, our hospital's like decently sized. Um, we have a pediatric unit, but it's not really ever filled with ped patients. So it mm-hmm. becomes overflow for adults. So we had moved this patient to the pediatric unit at this point. Um, there was no kids on the unit, you know, again. Um, and that was kind of the last thing we heard about it. Well, by that night, we had heard that this patient was taken to the ICU. Um, a couple of days had passed, and it wasn't until five days later that I found out that this patient was COVID positive. And um, did you guys, so was was the COVID conversation already happening around the hospital? Like you were aware that COVID was a thing and that it could possibly affect uh, your patients or not at all? Not really, no. Like it was like a wow. topic, but it wasn't like it is now. You know what I mean? Because right. I, I wasn't worried because I hadn't seen it. I didn't really understand it. Um, and then so, when that proximity, when it's like that proximity conversation where it's getting closer and closer to you or somebody, you yeah. know, that's when it's like alarm bells go off. Well, for me, even I was fine, even knowing that this patient was COVID, you know? Yeah. Cause again, like I didn't really understand what that entailed. Um, I knew it was respiratory, you know, like all this other stuff. And like, for me, that's always an issue with Kyle, you know, like yeah. I always am concerned when I'm in a patient's room that has the flu even because even so, I don't want to bring that home to him, you know? So that's a constant worry. Yeah. So for me, it wasn't until five days later, I'll never forget. It was March 17th. I was sitting on my couch and my supervisor had called me. I had missed the phone call. And one of my coworkers texted me saying that they had sent her home. So at that point, I had called my supervisor back and they had told me, you know, that this patient was intubated, all this other stuff, moved to another hospital. Wow. Um, so for me, that was like when it hit me. And then the next day, we had found out that this patient's family member that had been there that day that we took care of him, that um, they had also tested positive. Oh, my gosh. So, so it becomes my, more and more complex, eh? Jeez. Right. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, this family member didn't have a mask on. I didn't have a mask on, you know. Mm-hmm. I was in this patient's face doing patient care with them all day, you know. So then, like, instantly I'm, like, panicking, you know. Um, we had called Kyle's PCP, and we had asked him if we should be tested because of this issue with my patient. And they had said no. Um, they want – he. So Kyle's primary care doctor, he wanted Kyle tested right then and there, you know, just because of the underlying issue. Um, and I where, still wasn't a concern. Well, where you're at in the States, how accessible is testing? I mean, I know it's different in uh-huh. every area, but like why well, at, at the time they were denying people tests for yeah, so what reason? That, so I don't know if they were concerned that they wouldn't have enough. They didn't have access to them. You know, at this point, we didn't have, like, the Mm -hmm. pop-up testing centers. You know, this was still early March. So it was kind of like everyone is freaking out. You know, you have the sniffles. You have a cold. Like, everyone wants to be tested. And, like, I understand that everyone can't be tested, you know. And it's, it's like, weird because I see it from both sides. 
you see that like almost like moral panic at first, right? Like Brooke and I yeah. talked about that quite right. often at the very beginning where, you know, that fear, it's like that fear based notion, but then it's also the other, the other, you know, toss of the coin is that we do have members in our yeah. family that are, that are high risk. So it's like, yeah. where's that fine line? Yep. So at this point, um, my sister had been staying with us too. Um, so essentially like she was stuck at my house at this point. So, um, so when my supervisor had called me back, they told me that I would be quarantined for 14 days from my date of exposure. So that had been five days prior, mm. you know? So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I'm sleeping in the same bed as him. I'm in the same house as him, you know, like not thinking about it, you know? And at this point, all I could think is if he were to get sick, like it would obviously be because of me, you know? And it's hard for me because I love working in the hospital. I love it. Um, but obviously, like, I love Kyle, you know? So at this point, I had been talking to my boss and I'm like, well, what do I do? Like, you know, my situation with my husband's a little different. And, you know, everyone has their situations at home. You know, some of our nurses, their kids have asthma or, you know, and like, yeah. that's a big thing. Like, especially with something like this, you know? So unfortunately, like, everyone has their issue at home. And like, that's what they kept kind of telling me. And like, I was frustrated by it because I'm thinking like, you know, and I mean, you know how it is. It's just kind of like the, that worry there, you yeah. know? Well, I mean, that's, this is what we're trying to like bring awareness to is like, yeah. you're not mm -hmm. only on the front lines as a nurse, you're also on the front lines of care for your husband who is yeah. vulnerable. And just that dynamic in itself is just worth mm -hmm. exploring because I think before COVID people, I mean, this is a good time for caregivers rights, I think, yeah. um, because mm -hmm. during COVID it was, you know, it was us that were there instead of nurses because they were busy helping other people and you're helping yeah. other people, but also helping your husband. Yeah. So it was like, you know, and Kyle's fairly like independent. So that was good for me because I, I felt like I didn't have to be totally interacting in his care as much, mm -hmm. you know, and his parents mm -hmm. live five minutes from us but at the same time we didn't want people entering our home you know so it was like back and forth and then at this point Kyle had still been going into work so we were concerned okay you know if I come back positive his whole work's gonna have to deal with that you know so thankfully they allowed him to start working at home um so then fast forward like two three days after they had called me I started getting really sick um, I had a fever of like 102, 103, you know, I was coughing. I felt very like my chest felt congested. Um, just like a lot was going on, you know, and like I had been home cause I was being quarantined. So that was nice, you know, yeah. but just like fighting to get tested was so overwhelming. And like, it got to the point where I could tell, I called my dad at one point and my chest was so tight. I could barely breathe. So he wanted me to go to the hospital, you know, all this other stuff. So we had gotten our um, employee health involved and they kept telling me, no, we'll just call you every day. Like we'll follow up with your symptoms. Like you might just be sick. You know, I had called my PCP and she's like, well, we'll just see what, what happens, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm thinking, why do you want to see what happens? Yeah. You know, cause mm -hmm. for me, and I kept saying, like, I kept saying my husband has spinal cord injury. And for me, like, I'm not worried about myself. I'm worried about him, you know, because my actions in my job is going to affect him. You know, like he didn't ask for that. So I just battled with that a couple of days. And um, finally it was 
16 days after my exposure, they finally agreed to test me. Which and is like my, too late then, right? Yeah. So it's weird because some people will test positive for months after. Oh, wow. So it's weird because they said that there's still like pieces of the COVID like within your system that could test positive. Like we have some patients on our floor, like one in particular right now that they're about two months out and they're still testing positive. That's crazy. But essentially, like when you look at their symptoms, they're asymptomatic, you know? So it's like, right. We we still do some sort of precautions with them, like isolation wise, but we're not in like full gear to go in their rooms. Oh my gosh. That's scary. You know? So for me, then at that point, my doctor was like, Oh, well, we'll just treat you as if you have bronchitis. Oh my gosh. So they had given me an antibiotic and a steroid, which was great. But I'm just thinking you waited this long to treat me even for that, you know? So like I had been sleeping in separate room from Kyle, you know, a lot of people I know in the healthcare field, they were, um, something that's common around this area is people were donating their campers and like RVs to healthcare workers and allowing them. Yeah. So they could essentially stay outside of their house and be close to their family, but not infect Mm -hmm. them at home, you know? But for me, like, I felt as if that wasn't to a degree that we were at because we were able to, we have separate bathrooms, separate bedrooms, you know, so we were just kind of going with that that way. So thankfully, we were able to get past all that, you know, but now I feel like everyone's getting tired and bored of staying home, which I understand, you know, and that's everyone's own opinion, but it's just scary because now you're seeing the numbers go back up. I don't know how it is where you guys are, but a lot of the states before that weren't being impacted are being impacted now, you know? Yeah. And like I read articles where ICUs in session, Florida, they're running out of beds. You know, we were running out of beds at one point. And it's funny because a lot of people assume that like our hospitals were packed with patients and they were busy with COVID patients. But then like other patients, like, if someone thought they were having a stroke or, you know, they just weren't feeling well or, or they broke a bone, like they would avoid coming to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah. We were, no kidding. Yeah. So we were empty in that sense. Like we had a patient come in and they had severe like cellulitis to their legs and, you know, like huge infection in their bloodstream now, all this other stuff. And they essentially told us that they had it for almost a month now, but they were just too afraid to come. Oh, that's so interesting. We were just talking to Evan's doctor or Evan's physiatrist last mm-hmm. week about this exact thing because she's doing phone consults. Yeah. She was talking about how she's a few of her patients have avoided going to the hospital, avoided going to the yeah. doctor because they're just too afraid. And it's like mm-hmm. a very, very common thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Sorry. I was going to say, what about even like when you've got like a dangerous bleed, you know, like you've sliced yourself mm-hmm. and then people are like yeah. Mickey mousing it at home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a scary thing because they said like all of a sudden we're seeing drops in numbers and all these other issues, you know, and it just makes you wonder. And I told several people this and, you know, like Kyle finds it ironic. I feel safer being at the hospital than I do going to the grocery store. That's actually a really good point too. Uh, my mom actually had to have surgery when COVID, I don't know, when it was like mid through COVID. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were all kind of like panicked because, she came out of like long-term care and then she had to have a surgery in hospital here from a different city. And the whole family were kind of like, well, what's going to happen? And a lot of people don't go, go, don't go to a hospital to emerge until it's like really last minute. And hers was really last minute. It was very important that she got in. 
And um, even after that, we were all like, well, who can see her or who can't? Because she has to now be isolated again for another mm-hmm. 14 days, right? Yeah. But she still needs the care. So it's been like a really interesting process. And like now she's moved to Vancouver. She has a whole heap of doctors and all these appointments from dentists to, to an eye appointment to um, like every her, her GP, her like neurologist, a billion different appointments. They're all over Skype now. But then when it comes down to it again, you you know, you're talking about like, who's going to go to the dentist now? It's like, what if you do have an emergency and you need an emergency extraction? Let's say nobody really wants to go. People are just waiting until the very last minute until it's like really unbearable. And even still, there's like that bit of stigma of like going out in public places and like medical, medical, you know, appointments because people are Mm -hmm. so afraid and yeah. then again, it, you go back to the beginning while well, you've been out there. So now you're isolating for another 14 days. Yeah. It's just like, holy smokes. And you know what? A lot of people, they can't afford to be doing that. You know, like. No kidding. Like when. So Kyle was essentially um, like furloughed from his job um, in April, end of March. And like he was fortunate. He was able to apply for unemployment, but we didn't get it for months, you know, like almost a month or two after he applied for it, you know? So like, fortunately, like I had my job still and like, we're still able to keep afloat, but I just, I just mm-hmm. think like a lot of people can't afford, you know, and they're being forced to use their PTO or vacation time. And, you know, I don't really think it's fair, but it's just, it's just a crazy experience. I never thought that, you know, I would be finishing to get my BSN and this is where I would be. You know, a lot of my friends graduated this past May and a lot of them were forced into all of this, you know, yeah. they're by themselves essentially. And, you know, like they have help, you know, they have people that they're with still, but they're also super busy, you know, and going back to my first patient that we had, um, he ended up passing away then. So for me, it was, I was thinking, how can somebody go from being, independent up and walking you know to just dying that's pretty scary and was that covid related yeah so that's the other issue is like the numbers are so all over the place you know and i feel like everyone looks at them and they know that um but at the same time it's like i don't know and i don't think you should be scared of covid so that's the thing my dad has always told me he told me not to be afraid of it but to respect you know, mm-hmm. so you need to respect that you could, this could happen to you. You know, if you take the precautions, you know, I have friends that, you know, they're out and about, they're going on vacation and, you know, that's, that's their own doing, you know, like you can't force people to stay home, but at the same time, you're hoping that they're just respecting and at least taking the precautions, you know? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. how hard is it to put on a mask? Not that hard. Right. And now that they're yeah. readily available everywhere. As like a as a healthcare professional, um, w- how important are masks to you? So for me, like like you said, how hard is it to put on the mask? Um, so I wear my N95 and then a regular surgical mask over it. And most times, a lot of our staff have two masks on at a time, mm-hmm. you know. And we work twelve hour shifts, so you figure you're there before your shift. So essentially, you're there for at least thirteen hours. You know, obviously, we take them off to eat and stuff. But like when I, for example, when I go to the bathroom, I don't take my mask off because in my mind, I think how many people come in here and take their mask off thinking, oh, this is a, this is a break for me, you know? Right. Like a safe space because it's yeah. like confined. 
And do you wear that when you go out in public, like everywhere else? Or is it just when you're working? No, I always have a mask on. So I'll at least wear a surgical mask. I also have a mask that has a filter in it. Um, A lot of people think that if they just go to the store and buy a basic N95 mask that they're being protected. But for us, with our N95s in the hospital, we have to be fitted for those masks. You know, it's not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Um, So like you could have that N95 on, but if there's not the proper seal on it, it's not doing anything for you. You know, what's really interesting is uh, my husband and I were having a conversation about this early in COVID um, Mm -hmm. about masks and how people really don't understand which ones are for which, how they fit, what they're supposed to be doing. They think that, you know, if you breathe through a plain surgical mask, it's being filtered. Like these are all Mm -hmm. such misconceptions. And like, it's funny because he was in construction before this happened. And there were mm-hmm. quite a few um, education seminars that he had to attend about wearing PPE and just for like fibers. Right. And right. so he had like oil resistant N95 mask. He had a regular N95 mask. Um, right. And he's like, if you have a beard um, yeah. of any of any length, N95 masks do not suction to your face he's like you want them to suction to your face with no cracks right Mm -hmm. and people don't understand that people just think oh i'll put this on like i saw a child the other day with an n95 mask on it was the one without Mm -hmm. the valve it was the one that just and it was so big and there were so many spaces on it that i'm like yeah Yeah. i mean that's good for preventing you from spreading it to someone but if you think that it's filtering the air it's not (laughs) right Right. Exactly. And it's scary. That in itself is scary, too, because th- people just uh-huh. don't understand what masks are and, and how yeah. to wear them. It's like it's crazy. Right. And it's it's just I go to the store and like where I live right now, it is like policy that you have your mask on, you know, like stores can yeah. turn you away. And like, I don't think they're asking for much. You know, we had a woman that's local to us. She went into the grocery store and she sneezed and coughed on all the produce. Yeah. Oh, no. Like they had to throw it all away, you know? And I just think like, what was that possibly doing for you? You know, like people get upset about wearing masks and, you know, unfortunately like that's their right to not want to wear one. But at the same time, I just think if you could protect somebody else and they could protect you for the 20 minutes you're in the store, why wouldn't you do it? I hate to bring this up, but I feel like it needs to be noted that, um, you know, how we always talk about, when an accident happens to someone we love or when someone gets sick, people's true colors show through. I feel like a lot of the people that I've known of or that I've read about that have just been like, I don't need to wear a mask. It's not my problem. I don't care. Or the young people that don't care. I feel like it's very, and I don't care if people get mad at me for saying this, but I think it's very self-centered and I feel like it just kind of shows what their view of the world is, which Mm -hmm. is, from self, from themselves, meaning yeah. they don't really care about others. And it kind of shows it in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's upsetting because, you know, you have all these people like Kyle's grandfather was in um, a nursing home and, you know, he had cancer, all this other stuff and COVID, you know, ripped through there. And he actually ended up dying and we hadn't seen him since February, you yeah. know, and I just think like stuff like that, you know, these healthcare workers and, you know, other essential workers are working so hard to keep like your life as normal as possible and be able to work and keep you healthy. And if you're not willing to do your part just by wearing a simple mask, Mm -hmm. it's just frustrating to me, you know, like, and whether you think that 
COVID is, I guess, real. I've, I've come across a lot of people that say it's not real, which whatever right. that's, you know, and unfortunately, again, like I feel if it's not affecting you firsthand or you don't know somebody firsthand, it's hard to understand, you know, and that's just like spinal cord injury, for example, until I met Kyle, I knew nothing about it, you know, and it sounds stupid, but I was ignorant to the fact of all the things that the spinal cord injury even affected. You know, it's, yeah, it's just understanding it. And, you know, but like if you do your research and it's hard because I feel like the media will turn you and twist you so many different ways that it's hard to know what the truth is. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point, actually, Ashley. Um, you know, the, the kind of perspective that I have adopted through all of this is that I've seen, honestly, the topics of COVID, how much division and separation that um, it's brought between people. Um, yeah. Definitely feeling that now, mm-hmm. even even if I don't agree with what some people are doing or not doing, I, I feel like if anything, like, why couldn't we all just kind of like be together out of like understanding and love and just be like, right. okay, well, you do what you have to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I will behave the way that I need to behave for myself. But I feel like even at the very beginning, it was like a lot of judgment. It was a lot of, you know, you are doing this. So you are now separate from me and my beliefs mm-hmm. and everything that I'm going through. And I went through that, like with friends and family. And then mm-hmm. finally, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I just can't. Like, it's just taking away too much energy for me. I'm just yeah. going to doing what I need to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like without getting too political, it was like it, it kind of felt like we we're all talking about politics it came down to that not even like about basic safety and like what we need to do for our partners Mm -hmm. you know so at the very end of the day I feel like you know especially in Canada here we're going through different stages and we're reopening a little bit um that we're just like it's it's just crazy it's just it's just freaking crazy just to see like the amount of division it's brought between people Well, and like for me, you know, 4th of July came and a lot of our areas local to me are, are now in the green phase, you know, so mm-hmm. a lot of things are open, all this other stuff. Um, we did go see my parents on um, 4th of July. Um, there's like this campground that my parents have their RV at, you know, and we all spread our chairs out. We stay distance, you know, and I felt like that was the safest we could be because for me, it gets to the point point where you're like almost homesick for your family you know of course I'm very close to my family so that was really hard for me so we were trying to find ways that we could still see each other interact you know we FaceTimed a lot that's how we spent like Easter and you know all that and that was hard because it's just like you miss them but you do what you can you know but then I see other people and this is just my opinion you know um that have parties of you know 200 300 people and it's just like i I just have to shake my head. Because well, I mean, like, even, even like the, you know, like the protests that we were having, I mean, that's a huge gathering of people in all sorts of states and all across the world. And, you know, some people like we're going back to the conversations of masks, which ones are deemed appropriate and which ones are not. There were many people wearing bandanas and going out for, you know, really great causes, but they're still gathering in huge, massive groups of people. So, again, it comes down to like what's right, what's wrong, Uh you know, trying to keep it kind of like level instead of being like you're doing wrong. Right. Well, and I know like in our area, again, specifically, um our governor and all them, they were telling us to wear bandanas. Um, we didn't have access to masks. 
Well, there was that video that came out from one of your army generals um, that showed how to make your own mask from a bandana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that one. So, so it's like, I feel almost like as if you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know, because right. like you're trying to follow what these people that you think are want what's best for you, you know, they're like, okay, you can wear a bandana or you can wear this or you wear a scarf, you know, like it's better than nothing. And like, I'm sure it is better than nothing. But I just think it sucks that people are being forced to have to, like, go to those options. You know, like, you don't have basic masks for people. Or the people that did have them, you know, they had, like, packs of 5, 10 surgical masks, and they're selling for $50. No kidding. Even the you know? dollar store here is, is selling them. You can get a mask, just like one of those little flimsy, yeah. little flimsy, flimsy. They are. And they're selling them for 5 bucks a piece. Yep. And it's sad because it's like, <laughs> okay, now you have a family of four. Okay, so there's how much. And essentially, you're only supposed to be wearing that one time. It's a one-time use. Right. Which is, again, brings up the topic of, like, waste. I don't want to get too much into this. But, like, holy smokes. Let's talk about that, you know, in itself. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's just... It's just... crazy time like I can't believe I always say to Kyle like I can't believe this is real life you know like I would come home from work and I would bring a change of clothes I would either leave my scrubs at work or I'd bring them home I had like my whole system like Kyle knew my system when I would come home you know I wouldn't bring my shoes that I wore in the hospital home Mm -hmm. I would change at my door my clothes would go right in the washer I'd jump in the shower I'd get out of the shower I would walk like Clorox everything I touched and, you know, some people were, like, laughing at me and, like, saying how I was being all excessive and stuff. And that's fine. I would rather be excessive and not have to worry, like, in my own mind, for my own peace of mind, that right. you know, there's more I could have done. Because at least I know, like, I did what I could, you know. And I have a friend that she has been quarantined since all this started, working from home. Her husband's working from home. She, they would only leave the house to get groceries. And you know what? She got coronavirus. Mm. oh no it was so sick and it's funny because like it's not funny but just ironic how it affects people so differently you know like our youngest patient was 18 and god they were so sick like they had to end up being taken out of our hospital to some other local hospital that had like just a better like more of a pediatric care team even though they were 18 you know yeah it's just so complex and it's just so different and it's just it's just a lot and like I have through actually through the Philadelphia group of WAGs um from our meetup there's mm-hmm. a couple girls uh Tara and Laura they both work in healthcare and you know it's nice because especially Laura um I have been messaging her so much you know she's a nurse practitioner and it's just nice because we're in the same situation you know like we're in the hospital we both have spinal cord injury like in our lives you know and like Honestly, the ones that have kids, like my heart really goes out to them because trying to balance, you know, keeping your kids safe, keeping your significant other safe, keeping you safe. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah no kidding. I mean, it is a lot. It's a lot for anyone to go through. Let's put this episode on a momentary pause because we want to introduce all of you to another one of our amazing sponsors, Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases and work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource for the SEI community. 
Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You are not just a case. You're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. Robin and her team are always looking for ways that they can help rebuild the best life possible for their clients by finding them support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with paperwork and benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, making sure that her clients are doing okay physically and mentally. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WEGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way she can because she wants you to live a life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure you mention the WEGS of SCI. Honestly, like listening to your story, there's, I can just see how much you've learned about yourself during this time. And, you know, whatever you believe in, regardless of how you live your life, what, what do you think about what you've learned from all this about yourself, this whole process? So for me, I feel like I've learned that self-care is super important. On my days off, when it's nice out, of course, I will literally just sit outside for like an hour or two and just do nothing. Like I'll just sit there and I'll just take in everything, you know, like sometimes Kyle will sit out there with me, you know, but for me, it's just like, I just think of all the things I take for granted Mm -hmm. and I have been exhausted, you know, and it's just, it's emotional, it's physical. And just taking that time for yourself is just, I mean, you guys get it. You know what I mean? Like, even in our situation with having partners with spinal cord injuries, if you don't take time for yourself, you can't do anything for anybody else. That's the truth. That is very true. And you, you have to think about it. Like just the fact that you're doing that for yourself is so, it's so important because you, people think that they can just drain their batteries and not rest and recuperate and just push through it. And that brings more illness, yeah. right? So it's like that, right. that decreases your immune system in itself. If you don't yeah. just literally sit there and well, do nothing. Well, <laughs> even like in the beginning, I was having so much trouble like sleeping. I was constantly worrying, you know, like yeah. you're eating and stuff, but it's like, you know, you know, you're not taking care of yourself the way that you should, you know? Um, and honestly, a lot of the wags have helped me um and it's just it's hard it's just you're trying to figure out what's best for you what's best for everybody else to do your job and it's just I don't know I just learned a lot with self-care you know because I I've never been one to like okay well I'm gonna go do this for myself and I'm not saying I don't do things for myself because that would be a lot (laughs) but just taking that moment to just sit there and like reflect on like how lucky you are well, and like, yeah. that's like your meditation, right? Like people think that, right. oh, in order to meditate, you have to zone out and, you know, become nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's like, that's your form of meditation. Do, yeah. Sitting in the sun, which makes you feel good. Yeah. Having the sun come mm-hmm. down on you and thinking about nothing and letting good yeah. thoughts come to yeah. you is like... And just like mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the silence alone, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, just yeah. sit there and just... I was just going to say real quick, um, I know that Brooke, you and I had Kindy on um, a few episodes ago. And remember when she was talking about like doing the opposite of being mindful? She's like, sometimes you just have to like empty your mind. You know, when you can like do an activity that is like 
self-care just to literally just have like you know kind of not zone out but you just like empty all the crazy thoughts of like your everyday life just like let it go and just sit there in your own like real peace whatever that looks like for you well i think people i think people are conditioned to they think they always have to be doing something or figuring something out and like the whole point i think people don't really understand the definition of mindfulness because i think it's become a marketing and media term now when it's actually being mindful being mindful is noticing your thoughts and knowing how to empty your thoughts in itself but people think oh being mindful is filling my myself up with doing things but it's like you know it's not Mm -hmm. it's it's recharging your batteries and the only way you can do that is by like what you said elena emptying your thoughts Mm -hmm. right exactly so we want to kind of just link back to wags of sci so when and how the heck did you find the wags of sci community and i know you guys have, you know, you ladies in the Philly area um, have, you know, done some really cool meetups and oh you've got together. So, so tell us a little bit about that. How and when and what and why? <laughs> so it's funny because when I got your email and like with the question and stuff, I said to Kai, I'm like, oh my gosh, I said, they want to know how I found the wagon page. And I said, I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't remember. We've always like, been there lurking. <laughs> I just, I just don't yeah, know. And he's like, we have. well, did you Google them? I'm like, how would I have Googled them? Like, I don't know. Like maybe you were tagged or like you came up in my like feed. I don't know. Like, what I is like, a wag? What is a wag? The best oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. Long mm-hmm. enough that I really have no idea how. <laughs> I feel like even since I found you guys, like your group has grown so much. And like, just seeing like all the different places that these women come from. It's just like, and to see their stories, like when they post like the about me stories, when they first joined the page, like it's interesting to read. Cause you know, it's like, these are people's real lives and like, you have no idea what's going on elsewhere. And you know, it's just like, I think in the end for me, it was like, wow, I didn't really understand or realize how many people I could connect with that like get it, you know? And now that totally. you have your own that. community in Philadelphia, that's pretty special too, right? The ones, especially yeah. the, your uh, girls that work in healthcare, that's amazing oh, that yeah. you found such a common bond yeah. that way as well. That's really, really cool. Oh, yeah. It just makes you realize oh, the importance yeah. of community, right? Like, you so know, it, all, it sure. always comes back to community. You know, if you want to save the world, build a community. If you want to change people's minds, yeah. build a community. If you want to do something big with your life, help others and build a community. Like, it's yeah. really all about community and especially like, the way the world is headed right now with, you know, we were speaking about division and all of that kind of stuff. It's just, it's so important to remember that we are who our community is. We are who we associate Mm -hmm. ourselves with. We are who we can help. Right. Right. For sure. (laughs) When I talk to like my, my family about this, they're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, why is it SCI? And like, it's such a cool, like amazing sisterhood. Like that's how it began was through sisterhood. And you know, coming mm-hmm. together over common bonds, but it's kind of interesting to try to explain it because they're not part of like our private Facebook group, which is like right. off the charts. It is so busy. People have so much goodness to share with each other. And, you know, like my family was like, oh, that's cute. You know, like, oh, that's fluffy. Like, oh, you can yeah. like help some girls. And I'm like, no, these are not just like some girls. This is like yeah. thousands of people across the globe. That literally didn't have this before that we didn't have this before. We didn't, you know, without like knowing you and like without like knowing every single woman, like we wouldn't have, how else would you meet so many women just like through 
the power of social media. So that's been really, really cool. And you've been with us from the very beginning. So Especially during the pandemic, right? I mean, I feel personally, I am so much more into the private group. Like I've always been into the private group, but I've been more at a distance, moderating, you know, putting announcements together, commenting. But I feel like since the pandemic, I've just, Instagram has flooded my brain too much with too much. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, I'm just, I'm obsessed with the private group because I feel like Mm -hmm. there's one there's your voice and there's other women's voice and there's not a bunch of media bombarding you with mm-hmm. images yeah. and too much news and too much trauma to process. Right. So it's like, it's kind of like a haven. Yeah. It's a haven right now. It's a haven for friendship. It's yeah. a haven for community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I said like, it's funny because I think at least maybe two or three times a day I say to Kyle, Oh yeah. Well, like, with wags or, you know, wags this or wags that. And he's like, I don't think there's a day that you ever like, don't like bring it up in some sort of conversation. And I was like, it's funny though, because like it becomes such an important part of my life. You know, like there's a group, like there's some of the wags, like I talk to them every single day. Like Alexa, I talk to her every day. Um, there's three other ones, Tally, Lee and Amanda. I talk to them every day. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's just through Instagram or through text mm-hmm. message or Snapchat, you know what I mean? It's always something. And like, even with the meetup, you know, we had so many girls come. Like, I was so overwhelmed when people like just kept RSVPing and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come. You know, like, even like Charisma and them, like, they came from Virginia. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That was, that was awesome. To me. And it was like people, you know, like Alexa traveled far, you know, her and Ty. And it's just like, it's funny because, um, Ty, Alexa's boyfriend and Kyle are so similar. You know, like they were both injured playing football. Like I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. They both had the same football number. Like, it's just like, and it was neat because like at the meetup, like not only were we able to connect, but like the guys were able to connect, you know? And like, I've seen some meetups where it's just like the women and stuff. And like, that's great. You know, like sometimes you just need like that girl time, you know? But for me, like when I started talking about the meetup, you know, Kyle was like, oh, well, like, am I going to come with you? Or like, am I not? You know? And I was like, I kind of went based off how he felt. And, you know, like he was interested, like he wanted to go. And for me, like, I think it was nice because, you know, he was able to connect with a lot of other guys there, you know, whereas like, totally. I don't know. I just think it's a nice outlet for them too. Well, hopefully we can have meetups again. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're dying for that. As of right now, it doesn't look like it, but I mean, (laughs) we hope, right? (laughs) Right, right. Well, we'll keep I, on doing the Zoom stuff. We'll keep on doing the virtual meetups still, regardless. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so fun because I had um, one of the wags, Joanna, her significant other, um, He, they're from New York, actually, and they're going to be going to Allied in Scranton right next to us. Oh, awesome. So I thought that was cool. Like, we'll be able to connect with them still, too, you know? So it's like, I'm glad for technology some days, especially with stuff like this. You know, you could keep in touch with people and just communicate with them you know like you said the group is like always a buzz like there's always questions or comments or you know yeah just it's it's nice to have that outlet because like if you have a question like instead of having to reach out to your doctor every time for something simple it's like oh let me just ask my wags you know yeah and especially now right when it's like we don't all have access to our doctors very easily right so this is like right totally totally that being said if you have have severe pressure sores definitely (laughs) look professional help (laughs) yes 
Anything yeah. serious that you don't have an answer to that is medically scary, please go to your doctor. Don't go to the WAGS group. <laughs> but other than that, if you need sisterhood and advice, go to the WAGS group, right? Somebody to cry with over a glass of wine. <laughs> We're always here. And laugh, of course, and laugh with as well. So, Ashley, um, if you could give any piece of advice to anybody who's listening right now, whether it's a new wag, an old wag, um, somebody going through COVID, somebody, well, we're all going through COVID, but if you could give one piece of advice from your life that you've learned through SCI, what would it possibly be? Um, to not be afraid to ask for like support. Um, I feel like a lot of people, whether it be COVID or everyday life or anything, like a lot of people think that, you know, well, I'm strong enough, I can deal with it on my own, or I don't need to talk about this with somebody, you know. But I feel like if you keep things like bottled up like that, or you don't lean on people, you know, whether they can physically help you or just listen to you vent for 10 minutes, you know, I think that's important, you know, because you just rely on yourself so much. And I feel like you really just get burnt out. Yeah, that's really, really important. I think that's huge. And I think both Brooke and I, that was kind of like the essence of like why we began this community was to be able to have somebody to lean on and not have to, you know, at first, I think we all kind of think that we're Wonder Woman, we can hold up the entire globe on like one hand. But no, Mm -hmm. it's you're totally right. I love that. Ask for help. There's no shame in it. Right. Yep. And I mean, you might be able to handle it on your own. But I just feel like at the end of the day, like, why carry all of that on your shoulders? You know, if you have someone that can help you. And I feel like society in general puts such an emphasis on physical well-being. And, you know, like when, you know, therapists or doctors in the community, oh, you don't want to get burnt out and injured. Oh, you don't Mm want to injure yourself where it's like conditioned into our minds that it's all about us burning out our bodies. But I think the real issue Mm -hmm. that women struggle with is mental burnout. And I feel like there's not enough emphasis put on that. And I that's where the community comes in. And that's where the, you know, asking (laughs) for support comes in. Because Sometimes you can't yeah. hear your little voice calling out for help because you're bulldozing through it, right? We've all been guilty of that. Yeah. For sure. I think it could essentially like make you crazy. <laughs> like, of for course. Sure. Of course it could. Been there, done yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, you go crazy when you don't have like a touch, uh, a lamp posters or a, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like when you don't have a touchstone to go to, um, mm-hmm. to kind of talk to about things and, you know, not rationalize them, but just have someone say to you, ah, girl, I've been there. It's a phase. Mm -hmm. Recognize Mm -hmm. this stuff, recognize what you're feeling and where it's coming from. Don't react to it, but process it and give yourself a break. Like do what Ashley Eigen does. Go and sit on your balcony with the sun in your face and think about nothing for an hour. Seriously. That's the best piece. That's the best piece of advice, right? For sure. And it's just like everything, like everyday life. Like even when we were planning our wedding, Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times I turned to the WAGS group just like for accessibility issues. Yeah, you, know you I mean? posted like, about that a lot. That, like, yeah. Like my family, like, not that they didn't understand it because they do, but I'm just like, like, how can it be 2020 again and like this still be such an issue? Yeah, especially in the States with the ADA laws, you'd think oh. that it would be like ironclad by now. <laughs> Yeah. Like the first venue example we went to look at, um, it was beautiful. Like, first of all, though, there was no parking anywhere. Um, and then the bathrooms were located in the basement that would be accessible to Kyle. And the bathrooms on the first level had steps to them. Mm-hmm. 
And she's like, oh, well, like, he could just go down in the basement, you know? And I'm like, are you kidding me? No, the best is when they say, no, this is the best. When they say to you, oh, um, can someone just help him out of his chair for a minute? Can yeah. he just get out of his oh, chair for God. a minute? Just a minute. Help someone yeah. help him to the bathroom. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, so for, to get to our reception and ceremony and that, we had a limo. Which, first of all, in our area, it's such a small area that you can't find an accessible, like, limo. So I remember you posting about that, Kyle. too. <laughs> yeah. We had to transfer Kyle into the limo. And then his parents followed behind us with the van and his chair. And then at the end of the night, the hotel had a shuttle. So I had fought with them. You know, it was not accessible. So essentially, we had to leave a wheelchair at the hotel leave his wheelchair at our venue. We had to transfer him into the shuttle. And then the shuttle driver looks at us and goes, well, can he walk a few steps? Oh my gosh. Can someone help him walk a few steps just to get to his that chair? That is so common. Oh, that is so like, common. <laughs> and it's like so sad. Like if he could walk a few steps, do you think we would be asking you? Yeah. Girl, I had the same thing looking for apartments to rent and it was oh, a nightmare. Wow. It was like, it was either can you carry him up a couple steps or can you get up and walk can you carry yeah. him up a couple steps every yeah. day to get to your apartment yeah, yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> no problem yeah, leaving the apartment once a day like you know what's oh kind of shocking God. to me is that why is it that a hotel doesn't have an accessible shuttle like that the, that kind of boggles my mind because it's the same yeah, here it's the I same said. here that's yeah. what i said and you know what she said to me she's like well, we're a smaller like hotel in a smaller location. And I'm like, that's not the point. No, you know, I was like, and like, I always say to them, like, imagine how he feels, you know, like when Kyle's grandfather passed away, we went to New York a couple weeks ago and they live in like a small town in New York, like nowhere near the city, you know? So we had stayed in a hotel. Well, their new rule and the hotels here are if somebody stays in that room after they check out, nobody can stay for three days. Okay. So his mom had called, like, right when his grandfather passed away, booked the hotel. They said, no problem. We have a rolling shower available for him, blah, blah, blah. And, like, none of us hold our breath anymore, you know. So we get there, and the guy's like, I'm really sorry, but, like, we only have a tub with a bench. And I, like, went off on him. I was like, how can you do this? Like, you promised it to us. He's like, well, we rented it out because... Um, we had an unexpected guest and they wanted a bigger shower. Oh God. Oh, how, I can't that's even crazy. tell you how many times that's happened to me. It's, it's so, so and I said to them, I'm like, you know, like his grandfather just died. We're here out of state. Like we don't want to be here. You know, like it's horrible circumstances. And now you're giving us this. It's going to be interesting and to he, see what happens with the um, accessible travel industry after COVID because the whole world's travel systems right? are going to be different, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. like this yep. for years. And yep. it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, you know, you know, 50% capacity. Like it was interesting because mm-hmm. we have plans to go to Europe next year. And right. my, my husband was like, you know what? He's like, this is going to be actually really good for people in wheelchairs. I'm like, how so? He's like, if every place is only 50% capacity, that makes it so that I can get around and I don't have to bump into people. And I'm like, that's a good point. I never thought of it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, totally. But Yeah. So I noticed like here for airplanes, they were filling every other seat, you know, but my friend was just on a flight and she said it was full. Yeah, I think totally it's just cool. depending on the airline. Yeah, it's the same thing here with Air Canada. They were not refunding anybody 
they weren't refunding the the flight fare and they were running at full capacity too. So I think you're right. It depends on the air airline. It depends on a lot of things, but hopefully moving towards the future of better travel. Well, speaking of travel, um, I know that before COVID you were planning your honeymoon. So I want to, we want to know what happened with that and what, what are you guys planning on doing with that? Your honeymoon. So originally we were going to go on a cruise and then our travel agent kind of didn't work out. Um, so we kind of like shifted gears there a little bit. And Brooke, like I had reached out to you about wow. um, Italy and all that, you know. Yeah. And so Kyle's company actually had like a division out there. So, you know, we had been talking with them and they're like, you know, like, let us know when you're coming. Like, we'll help you out with things. You know, we had looked at that um, that hotel that you had sent us. And, you know, we had been talking back and forth with them. We were planning for this fall. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. So I said to Kyle, though, I was like, I would rather be stuck here than be stuck in another country. At this point, I feel like we're both kind of like burnt out on the idea of going on a honeymoon that we're just like, yeah, we'll take a trip someday, you know, like when the time is right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I said to Kyle, maybe it's just not like in the box for us this year, which at this point we know it's definitely not. Um, mm-hmm. but which like, is okay. Right. Which is yeah. okay. Yeah. I said it could be worse. You know, it sucks. Like, but it could be worse. Like, honestly, I can't imagine wedding planning right now for people. Uh, Kyle tells me all the time. He's like, you were crazy when the world was normal. So, <laughs> which he's not wrong. You know, like the last two weeks for me were brutal. Um, I can't imagine like, God. Yeah. So like I just for our, for us like for our honeymoon being postponed or for a year or two it's kind of like whatever. We were upset at first but then we we're just kind of like well at least we're not stuck somewhere. You know, you see these people like stuck on cruise ships and stuff for like 40 days and well Ashley it's been a lot of fun having you on today. A lot of great topics here and I think that you know you definitely relate to a lot of our listeners who are wags of SCI or not. And so we just want to say thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. How can someone reach you if they want to reach you and talk to you further or get in touch with you? Instagram? Yeah, that's perfect. I'm usually on there a lot. And your handle is Ashley Egan, right? Yes. So it's Ashley E-I-G-E-N. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. You can also find a little bio of Ashley on the Wags of SCI website, wagsofsci.com. And if you want to touch base with Ashley over email, you can always email from the website and we will connect you with Ashley, especially if you're in the Philadelphia area um, and you want more connection in the world of the SCI community and the world of the Wags community. Definitely message us or message Ashley and we will connect you guys. Um, and then as always, Whoever's listening that is not a member of our Facebook private group, you can also find the link to that on awakesofsci.com and you can chat with Ashley on that platform as well. So again, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story. We're so happy that you opened up to us. And I know there's there's going to be a lot of wags out there right now who are so happy to hear your story because we not only were really interested because 
there's a lot of confusion around COVID and we are all kind of interested. You know, there's been multiple posts on the private group about, oh, has anyone had COVID? Has anyone been around somebody that had COVID? We all kind of want to know. So thank you for sharing this. And we are so grateful to hear about your story. Oh, Mm. thank you for having me. Cheers. The advocacy and outreach group WEGS of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our WEGS including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website wegsofsci.com or donate directly to the WEGS of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.